Uh, well, we've been in a series, as LaRonda mentioned, called Prayer, Dependence on God. And um, today I want to start in the Psalms. Uh, I love the Psalms. If you are ever at a point in your life, even that last song, I love it as well. I've grown up singing it. It is a great reminder to us. Uh, to me, it's a prayer. You know, God, make this well with my soul. Um, but in, in, w- w- sometimes in our prayer life, there's times when it's not well with our soul. Like there's times when we're going through things and we're angry at God. We're going through things and we're confused. We're hurting. And when you go to the Psalms, the psalmists at times are angry at God. And at times the psalmists are hurting and they're confused and they cry out to God. So today I want to look at, as we're talking about dependence on God, what does it look like to depend on God when things aren't going well? What does it look like to depend on God when things are difficult? And I just want to point you to the Psalms. I mean, you can open up to almost any Psalm, and you will find a companion for you, for your prayer life, uh, in times of struggle and suffering, uh, read three or four psalms, and you'll, you'll stumble upon one that will meet you where you are and be reminded that it is biblical uh, to call out to God when things are not going well. So what I'm going to do to start, we have Psalm 42 up on the screen. Uh, there's some art that goes along uh, with the psalm. It's uh, by an artist named Jeremy Thomas, and um, he has one of these for every one of the Psalms, which is, which is I just, I love them. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read Psalm 42, and it'll be on the screen as I read it. And Psalms, you know, these were songs. These are actual songs. The Psalms uh, is the Hebrew song book. So these would have been sung in church. Uh, they wouldn't have been church, but uh, in the temple, uh, in the synagogue, and uh, their spectrum of emotion for their worship songs is, is bigger than ours. It's wider than ours in, in modern day uh, Christianity. And so I just want you, I'm going to try to read this a little bit um, with emotion. Uh, I want you, you can close your eyes if you want, if you want to. There's a lot of imagery going on in the psalm. Uh, you can watch on the screen or follow along in your Bible. But I want you to listen for the mood of the psalm and how it may change. And I want you to listen to imagery that the psalmist used and then see what stands out to you. And then we're going to break into our groups again. There's no pressure. There's no right or wrong answers. You don't have to say anything. But I'm going to ask you to share just what stood out to you, if there was a word or a phrase or a mood that maybe stood out to you about this psalm. So just kind of settle in to Psalm 42. As the deer pants for streams of water, So my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. 
My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is within me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. There's a lot in the Psalms if we, if we let them meet us where we are and speak to us. Uh, so I have two, two questions uh, for you again. If you're new at Mosaic, we do this every Sunday, almost every Sunday, where we get back into our groups. Uh, we try to make these questions non-threatening um, and, and just to kind of get you going, get your mind going, interacting a little bit with the message and the, the scriptures. So uh, the two questions today are, what words, phrases, or imagery stood out to you in the reading of Psalm 42? Um, we'll, uh, I'll have the, I have the art up on the screen. I won't have the whole text up there, but feel free to talk about the art. If there's something about the, the, the drawing that stood out to you as well, uh, feel free to open the psalm back up on your Bible uh, and, and on your phone or your Bible, and you can look through that. And then number two, what are positive and negative ways that hard times affect our prayer life? So even if you're like, I don't have a prayer life, <laughs> that's okay. Um, feel free to engage at whatever level uh, you would like. But uh, think about when things are going well, how does that affect your prayer life? And when things aren't going well, how does that affect your prayer life in positive ways and in negative ways? So uh, you'll circle back in your groups. Our teens have exited, so you may need to reformat a little your groups. You may just want to do one group here and one group here, whatever you feel like works. We'll give you five minutes, and then we'll come back up and uh, finish out the rest of the sermon. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When I was growing up in church, uh, we sang a song called As the Deer. Uh, You may or may not be familiar with it, depending on if you grew up in church or not, or what church you grew up in, but it was uh, regular at our church growing up. I always have it right in my head when I stumble upon this psalm. Uh, I could sing it right now, but I'm not that good of a singer, uh, so I'm not going to. Or I'm, 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 LaRonda hasn't quite uh, got my confidence up to sing up here with her yet. Um, so that song, and if you just cut out, if you were to take your Bible and take some scissors and just kind of scrapbook out those verses and stick them on your fridge, it's nice. Like it's a, it, and it's, it's true. It's, it's, I mean, I, I, let me get there. It's nice. We'll just start there. It's nice. Um, there's a beautiful picture, and even this picture of this deer is nice. For, Ryan's like, I want to kill that deer. I'm going to hunt it and shoot it and eat it. But for the rest of us, we're like, that's a pretty deer that's uh, drinking water. It's sort of peaceful. It's sort of beautiful. Um, but I, I do want to point out, as we, you just heard me read Psalm 42, this is a very different picture than what Psalm 42 is actually saying, right? And that's kind of a problem if we, if, um, but, so we'll get there. 
As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for you. It gives this idea like we're living in this very lush, like God is this lush, just huge vat of water to drink from. And he's ready, in this, in this context, he's ready for you to drink from him. He's ready to satisfy your thirst. And, and, and um, there's this other verses like that in the Bible. Jesus says he's the living water and all who come to him will never thirst. And we can get that feel from this psalm. But if you keep reading, it's always important to keep reading. <laughs> um, when you keep reading, the reason the psalmist is panting and thirsty for God, really, really think of a time when you were panting with thirst. I mean, if, you were, if you're, maybe you're a runner and you are running miles and miles and miles and you're panting with thirst, you finally cross the finish line and you're in that in-between where you haven't gotten to the water yet or the Gatorade yet or Maybe you're out in the desert. Maybe, you know, I know Joel did his Israel trip, and there, you could be out in the middle of the wilderness, and if you didn't prepare, or, I mean, you could be in a place that's very scary and dangerous, where you don't have enough water, and your throat is parched, and it's dry, and you begin to pant for water. You're so thirsty for water. Well, the psalmist is panting for water, and if you read the next line, he says, when can I go and meet with God? Think about that as a prayer to God. We would say, right now. Well, he's obviously having some kind of issue meeting with God. God isn't around, at least not, not in the way he's perceiving God. God isn't there to meet with him. He says in verse 3, my tears have been my food day and night. So the reason he's panting for God, that he's thirsty for God, is because he's been drinking his own tears. I mean, that is a deep, deep, deep picture of... Um, of emotion, right? His tears have been his food day and night. So we're in this series, Prayer, Dependence on God. And this is so important for us as a church, as a church plant, uh, as we try to uh, get a church off the ground. We want to reach people for Jesus. And it's hard, right? We've seen people we love come to know Jesus within these walls and grow for a while and they disappear and we reach out to them and we love you and we want you to come back and we pray for them and we each have our individual things that we're going through and 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 as God has journeyed us as a church and journeyed our leadership team as a church he's gotten us to a point of saying we must depend on God in prayer we must depend on God in prayer. We talked about Zechariah 4 as we kicked the series off. I'd encourage you to go back and listen to that sermon uh, if you haven't had a chance to yet. But how does depending on God work in times when you are drinking your own tears for your food and for your drink? It's not comfortable, but I want to sit with this scripture today, Psalm 42, and I want to just marinate in it. And I, I think for some of us, you will find a new language for how to interact with God as you're going through hard times uh, in your life. It can feel very isolating if you look around your church, if you look around Christians and you go, they have it all together. It looks like God is blessing them abundantly. It looks like they have all of the happiness and joy that they would ever want. And I feel empty inside. I feel hollowed inside. I feel like I'm drinking my tears as to quench my thirst, and I'm going to God, where are you? That's often when we leave our faith, because we say, well, I must be the only one. Well, I just want you to know you're not the only one. I want you to know that the writers of the Bible have experienced that feeling. And it's important 
that we get into God's word, we get into scripture, and we see that it's okay to experience these emotions and that we're not alone in these emotions. So here's what I've done with the psalm. I've plucked out some of the verses that I would call the present. These are the current emotions, the current experience that the psalmist is feeling as he is writing out this prayer. And they're dark. He says, my tears have been my food day and night. My soul is downcast within me. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? This is his present reality. And I want you to know it's okay to pray like this. It is okay to be honest with God. And I always say, go to God when you're suffering. Go to God when your faith is shaken. Go to God when you think you're going to leave your faith. Go to God, go to God, go to God. He can handle it rather than running away from God, which is, which is what we want. This is a biblical way to talk to God. But the question is, when this is our present, what do we do? You ever feel really stuck in your present moment? Whew, right? Stuck is not a good feeling, right? Stuck is not a good feeling. So when you are stuck in a present moment and you want to move, but you can't, you are stuck, what do you do? Psalm 42 lays some of this out for us. These are verses about the past. So the psalmist is feeling these things, is drinking his own tears. And then verse 4 says, these things I remember. These things I remember as I pour out my soul. I'm pouring out my soul to God while simultaneously remembering God's faithfulness in my life, God's faithfulness throughout redemptive history. I'm remembering God's faithfulness in the past while I am wondering where he is in the present. This is a powerful part of our prayer. This is a powerful part of our worship. Continuing on, he says, How I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Verse 6, Therefore I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. I want you to take a moment in your life to do some reflection the way I think the psalmist is reflecting right now. The psalmist is thinking back Verse 4, he's thinking back of praising God with the mighty throng, the festive throng, shouts of joy, shouts of praise. He's not in a moment where he can give his own shouts of joy, his own shouts of praise. He's remembering back to when he experienced God's love, tangible moments when he experienced God's love. I'd like to take a moment. We're not going to have you discuss this in groups or anything like that. This is just for you. But quiet yourself. And try to reflect back on your life and think about times when you experienced God's love tangibly. I'll give you some help of how to do that. Perhaps you experienced God's love through another person, through another person or group of people. Can you think back to when you experienced God's love through a person or through other people? Can you think back to when you experienced God's love through worship, a time of worship when you felt God talking to you, communicating his love to you? Was there events in your life when you said, that could have only been God? You look back and you say, 
Only God could have done that. And then one more. Through creation, have you ever looked out at the ocean? Have you ever swam with manatees? Have you ever looked at the mountains and just went, whoa, God? (laughs) Only could be God. Just take a few moments. We're not going to play any music or anything. Just take a few seconds to go back through the catalog of times you've experienced God's love. The next thing the psalmist does is he's pointing out specific landmark locations, geographical locations. And in the Old Testament, geography was really key, right? They had mountains that represented the presence of God. This happened here, you know, this Elijah and Mount Carmel and the prophets of Baal. So that was now a holy place. You could remember back to Mount Carmel and you'd remember what God did with Elijah and it was, it was a holy place. And you can, go, like, uh, you can go tour these holy places in uh, Israel, Palestine. You can walk around. You can see these places. That's what he's doing here. He's thinking about the Jordan. He's thinking about Hermon. He's thinking about Mount Mazar. He's thinking about places that he's experienced God and places that in his history, which is the Bible, he saw God. Are there places in Scripture that God takes you back to and says, remember this place? I'm the same God today as I was right here in this chapter and in this verse. Seeing God tangibly at work. So what makes it onto your list? I'd encourage you to have a list ready for times when you feel like you are eating and drinking your tears. To have a list ready. One more thing that makes it onto the list for us is communion. Uh, It is the Lord's Supper. Uh, Jesus, he... um, I think I have this up here. Oh, I'll have it. I'll have it in a moment. Um, the Lord's Supper, Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. Why does he say do this in remembrance of me in communion? Because he knows how easy it is to forget. He knows that we go through times like the psalmist is going through in Psalm 42. And so we do communion every week at Mosaic because I don't know about you, but I could do communion every day. I mean, I need every day a tangible place to be with a, a tangible representative of Jesus' body and blood shed for me to remember I am saved, I am loved, I have Jesus' grace and mercy. And he is the same God today as he was when he rose from the dead. All right, so we've looked at uh, verses about the past or the present of the psalmist. We've looked at verses about the past. And then the psalmist gives us some verses of hope. And these verses of hope, verses 5 and 11, are the exact same verse. He just repeats it. He says, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. That word yet came off the page to me. I am being oppressed, I am being taunted, I am being mocked, I am drinking my own tears, I don't know where God is, I can't find him, I am panting for him, yet I will praise him. Verse 8 says, by day the Lord directs his love, at night his song is within me, a prayer to the God 
of my life. So what does the psalmist do when he's going through intense suffering? What does he do? He puts his hope in God, and he puts his hope in a love that is eternal and a love that is unfailing. We've talked before about hope beyond our circumstances. It is human nature for us to put our hope in our circumstances. If you're going through a painful circumstance, it is human nature to to want and even need that pain to stop. The psalmist puts his hope beyond his circumstance. Not in the circumstance changing, but his hope in God's love, which is eternal and unfailing. To be able to say, I know it doesn't end this way. I know that it doesn't end this way. I know this is not the way that the story ends. And if you go through verse 8 here particularly, he says, by day God's love will be my guide. By day, his love will be my guide. So when you get up in the morning, think about this in a literal sense. When you get up in the morning and you go to face your day, is God's love your guide? Where do you find your sense of value for the day? Where do you find your sense of identity for the day? Do you need your circumstance to give that to you? Do you need your circumstance to guide you? Do you need the situation you're in at work to guide you? Do you need a situation you're in, in a relationship to be your guide, to be the thing that that makes you able to face your day? What would it look like for God's love for you personally, his personal love for you as his child to be your guide, to say, I'm going to start here. His love will be my guide. He will direct his love for me by day, and it will be my guide. It says, by night, his song is with me. His song is with me by night. And I love something LaRonda said in a sermon she did uh, in a, ser- a previous uh, series we did on praise and worship. And she talked about how praise and worship is a place we can go when we are struggling. We go to praise and worship because, like the Psalms, these songs are prayers that have already been written. Sometimes we need other people's words to speak our prayers for us, don't we? We need other people's testimony of God's faithfulness to speak his faithfulness for us. And I love the imagery of Psalm 42. He says, at night, his song is with me. When I'm going through the dark night of the soul, God's song is still here. And as I sing these worship songs here on Sunday morning, as I turn them on throughout my week, as I'm driving in my car, as I'm going around my house, I am being reminded of God's love and faithfulness to me. His song is still with me. That when I'm parched, I'm still going to God. That when he seems absent, when my enemies are gloating over me, I still praise him. And when I can't pray anymore, I allow my praises to be my prayer. My praises become my prayer. Maybe you just have to turn the praises on and sit there with your head down and listen to the words and say, God, I want these to be true for me. And I pray the very words to God. I need to be reminded that God is with me. I need to be reminded of God's victory. I need to be reminded that God has already defeated Satan. I need to be reminded that he's already defeated all the effects of sin on our world that we struggle with on a day in and day out basis, where my song becomes my prayer. This is when I'm 
depending, not on God, but I'm depending on his love. And I am depending on his song. I'm depending on prayer. I mean, this is what we see the psalmist doing in his dark night of the soul. I'm depending on God's love, on his song, and I'm depending on prayer. That all of these things I'm doing is my prayer. All right, now, as I said, um, Jesus, when he gave the instructions for communion, he had what we call the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper. You may call it the Eucharist, communion. Um, He was very clear that this practice was about being reminded of his love for us, being reminded of his faithfulness. I'm going to read to you from Luke 22, 14 through 21. And then we're going to take communion. We're going to take communion together as we continue in worship. We're going to continue in worship, continue reminding ourselves of God's love for us and his faithfulness for us, even if that doesn't maybe embody our present circumstance. We're going to run to God in this. And we're going to do what Jesus said. Verse 14, when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Sounds like Psalm 42, doesn't it? For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in where? The kingdom of God. The eternal, the unfailing kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you that I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. The eternal, the unfailing victory of the kingdom of God. Before I suffer, verse 15. Back to verse 19. And he took bread. He gave thanks and he broke it. And he gave it to them saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in what? Remembrance of me. Sounds so much like Psalm 42. Remember, 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 remember. What's on your list? I hope Jesus' death on the cross and resurrection from the dead is number one on your list. To go back to time and time and time again. Verse 20, try to put yourself in Jesus' shoes. The emotions you'd be feeling as you give out the elements of the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper, the first time this has ever happened. He's readying to die on the cross the next day before he suffers. To die on the cross, a brutal, agonizing death. To take on the sins of the world. And he's with his closest community. He's with his best friends. He's with those he's trusted and confided in. He's being the most vulnerable he can be here. And verse 20, it says, In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Like, we know that. We, we say that every week here when we take communion. But <laughs> the hand of him who is going to betray me is with me on the table. Judas is right there at the table, taking the bread, taking the cup. Jesus is about to suffer on the cross, but before he gets to the suffering on the cross, he's going to be betrayed by one of his closest friends, his closest disciples, one of his mentees. 
someone he raised up to, to write books of the Bible, to lead the church into what the church is today. But instead, Judas chose to betray Jesus. Jesus would have felt it all. He would have felt it all. And he says, do this in remembrance of me. He still loved Judas. I mean, talk about Josh's sermon last week of praying for your enemies and praying for those you don't want to pray for. He still loved Judas. He still died on the cross for Judas. And there's just something about this final picture where even Jesus, he's got to have his own list, right? He's got to have his own list. I mean, he's God in the flesh, but he had to know he was the father's son. He had to know that God's love is what guided him. He couldn't let Judas's love guide him, right? He couldn't let the approval of his followers guide him. Can you imagine if Jesus let the success or failure of the church be his guide? I mean, that would be, we're a rough bunch, right? I mean, he had to get his list somewhere else. His list is in the affirming love of God for him. Way back at the beginning of his ministry, way back in Matthew 4, when he's, Matthew, end of Matthew 3, when he's baptized and the father says, you're my son and I love you and I'm well pleased with you. And he gives out the, the bread and he gives out the cup and he says, do this in remembrance of me. I just want you to know Jesus can relate with you. He can relate with you. When you go to prayer, when you go to praise and you talk to Jesus, he can relate with your suffering. He can relate with the empty feeling that you're feeling. And the Psalms can relate to your suffering. God can relate to your suffering. And he calls you, even when you're panting for water that isn't there, to remember him and to put your hope in him. Yet I will praise him. Yet I will praise him. We're going to take communion next. Uh, Laurent is going to come back up and lead us in worship. Uh, we'll have worship words up on the screen if you'd like to sing along uh, the way we do communion here. Uh, I'll give you some instructions. Number one, it's for uh, Christians only. It's for those that follow Jesus. If your faith is in Jesus, uh, to forgive you of your sins and you're his follower, we invite you to come to the table today to remember him. Just like we just read, he tells us to remember him in this way, uh, to remember his body broken for us, to remember the cup of the new covenant, which means new marriage with Jesus. We remember Jesus and the finished work on the cross and the empty tomb at the top of our list today as we continue to praise him. Uh, up in the front, we have a basket. If you would like a socially distanced way of taking communion, you can come up to the front on your own and grab a cup from there with a wafer uh, in the top of it. In the back, uh, Joel and I will have a, a plate of bread and a bowl of grape juice, and you will take a piece of the bread, and we will tell you this is Jesus' body broken for you, and you will dunk it into the bowl of grape juice uh, and then eat it when you are ready. So we're going to take some time to remember Jesus together as we continue and worship. And then once we're done with communion, I'll come back up and invite you. Uh, we'll have a prayer invitation time. If you'd like to pray with anyone on our prayer team, uh, we'll do that. So let's pray together. Lord, we, I don't know where everybody's at in this room. I know some. I know some of the stories, some pieces of stories. God, I know of, I know of prayers that are being prayed, that you are not answering in the way that we would want you to. 
where, where prayers feel like they're hitting the ceiling. God, I, I know of times where we say, God, where are you? And I just pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us right now. Your Spirit would speak to us through Psalm 42. You'd speak to us through your broken body on the cross, your blood shed for our sins, the empty tomb. And that at the top of our list, we can say, God's love guides me by day. And his song guides me by night. And I'm going to put my hope in his unfailing love. I'm going to put my hope in the kingdom of God that he is at work in a plan of redemption. God, you are at work in a plan of redemption that is bigger than me and bigger than my life. And I can rest knowing that evil does not get the last word. And these circumstances do not get the last word. Jesus, you do. And we rest in your victory. We rest in your arms. Father, we rest in your arms as your children. And we are so thankful, as Joel said earlier, that we have you, that we go through our life being able to turn to you and knowing that the people in this gym right now, even if we're a first-time visitor or we've been here every Sunday, people in this room care for you with the love of Jesus. And we're saying you don't have to go through this alone. God, we thank you that you don't leave us alone. We love you. We thank you that we can remember you now. And we know you are with us. And we remember you. And we love you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.